You're listening to TWN Champions, episode number three. Champions, arise! Welcome to the Champions Countdown Podcast, where we summon heroes from across space and time to populate our intergalactic museum, or something like that. This is episode three, I'm Will, and here with me is Rebecca, who read your tarot cards, and brace yourself, because she had this to say, <laughs> which was uh, ominous and very scary, <laughs> and you just have to... I just cackled. That, that's a bad reading. It's a bad reading. You don't want that, that one. That one's free. <laughs> well, Rebecca, how are you doing? Any news to share any magic in the world? There's a whole lot of magic in the world, and it's called an ice maker. Because the new fridge is here, and it's glorious. And it's glorious, and I don't know what to do with myself. It's big. It's got an ice maker. Some men had to come to the house and set up the water line to make the ice maker work. I wish that you could have been born in the 50s so when the ice truck comes, you could get real excited. I would I would be. I would be that person. You wouldn't run for the ice cream cone. you run for the ice truck. Yeah. That's, I, it's a where'd it come from? <laughs> it ain't froze around here that I know of. And where I come from, I run behind the mosquito truck. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot about both of us. Uh, well, uh, while we're on the topic of magic, I think we should mention that we have summoned someone special uh, from a distance, and that person is... Socially Distant Scott! He's here for us today. Yeah, he's going to be w- with us here today. In a very controlled, distant, responsible, masked, masked manner. environment. Yes. That's right. But he's here with his pick for what we are here to talk about today. And Rebecca... Before you take that nice, cold, bracing sip of what you have in your cup. Can I do the sip first? Do that, yes. <laughs> Not bad. What are we talking about today, Rebecca? On today's show, we're counting down our personal favorite takes on the witch archetype. I have five. Will has five. It's a top ten. Thank you, and thank you for correcting that error in the script. Yes. Uh, Rebecca... Uh, since we are talking about witches, what is our common understanding of a witch? I, I love you're just like, Rebecca, tell me everything. <laughs> I will. All right. I feel like the first part of this discussion, before uh-huh. we get into our countdown, is actually going to be kind of lively and interesting because I, I had to do like a fair amount of winnowing down what I considered yeah. a witch and this, these, for our purposes. And I feel like I had a little more personal criteria than maybe some of the other ones that are universally true. They're just some things I personally believe. So. Yeah, it's like your version yeah. of a witch. Which is fine, because the thing is, this is not an educational podcast. <laughs> it's just us talking. It's just us saying stuff, you know. So we put no- I'm learning stuff as I'm saying it. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know what I'm going to learn until I start saying it. So, but generally, first and foremost, we're talking about a female or feminine energy mm-hmm. magic user. And the popular culture representation that we are probably thinking of that we will 
that we will sort of hack at here comes from Western folklore and mythology. So literally, like Greek mythology uh-huh. had witches. You know, there was like Circe and uh-huh. a b- b- bunch of bunch of folks, bunch of bunch of babes, bunch of old timing Greek broads. But step back from even that for a second, and you've got witches in folklore like Baba Yaga from Slavic folklore, and you got sea witches from like the folklore of seafaring people, mm-hmm. and um, magic use or what an anthropologist would call sorcery can be found in, like, every culture across time, essentially. I mean, you know, like, indigenous American cultures have legends like the Navajo skinwalkers. You have, like, tons of African cultures have sorcery um, in their backgrounds, right? So it comes from everywhere. But we're really talking about this this Western mythology descending from the the Greeks and going on into later years. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I think the term or the concept changes a lot over time and by culture. I, I feel like if I was looking for a through line or something that kind of made sense to me, it seems like it's a figure who draws some sort of uh, magic or spiritual power from some sort of uh, otherworldly source that is not approved of by the dominant religion. Yes. I think, it, I think it's some sort of illicit uh, source of power that you shouldn't be tapping into. That you shouldn't be. And so it's always been perceived as taboo. Yeah. Even from like, okay, you know, if I could brush off a real old chestnut from my childhood, uh-huh. like the code of Hammurabi, uh-huh. like only <laughs> right. 2000 BC kids will remember. But, you know, it, it does mention that like, you know, if you put a spell on somebody and it, it did, did you wrong, they got to go jump in the river or whatever it was. Uh-huh. But I mean, this is uh, yeah, magic use coming from a, an outside mystical source, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. I think that it explains why we associate witchcraft a lot with females too is because like there has to be some sort of uh mysterious or unapproved of way they have accessed power or yeah, something especially women historically. Ain't allowed to do that. Yes, exactly. So it must be some sort of uh uh unapproved of source of power to to explain how they could possibly be a player or something like that. So. Yeah, okay. And yeah, and so history happens and, and this the trope gets refined across culture, yeah. time and space. There's something storybookish about the witches that we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. I think. I think like, That's a good way to put it. In 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 that a lot of the folklore is like, you know, the older fairy tales, Grimm's and and, and all and all them. Um and I think it becomes crystallized in probably by the time we get to Shakespeare, the three witches in Macbeth, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? And then for us as like current users of popular culture, I think it gets completely in visual media crystallized in the Wicked Witch of the West and uh-huh. the Wizard of Oz, right? right. I think d- d- does that sense. sound like about like what you're kind of thinking? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so let so let me get into some fun uh, fun test case or two for us. Okay. So for me, this is where I sort of made some of my personal criteria I felt like our historical definitions were a little too broad, and I felt like yeah, I, no, they definitely. I are. didn't want to say and I didn't can... want to say that wizards were witches. What do you think about that? Like, I, I is, would, is Merlin a witch? I would say probably not. Yeah. Right. I, I I hate to just say like no, it's gendered by definition because you know we're not really all about that. But if we're talking about folklore here, and it's at least a dark magic, at the very least, to be a witch, I think. And and You're like, he's a man. He's too good. No, I'm, just, <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. Oh, I get it. No, but like, I, it has I would say... Especially dark magic for a man to be a witch, maybe. Yes. I would also say that there has to be, for me, 
uh, witchcraft is kind of like common people magic. Oh, okay. I like so that. So for me, like that. it's kind of like a witch or a sorceress. Mm-hmm. A witch, she's probably going to live out in the woods, in a swamp, mm-hmm. in a shack. She's working with nature. She's outcast from society, if not outright persecuted by society. You know, and, the, the, and that's the kind of things that I think of when I think of a witch. Well, I like that because that's how I feel about the witches often are working outside the system, and that's why their their way of accessing power is so maligned. So I would also say one, Ooh, of, my, I like that. one of my personal definitions is that witches often, at least loosely, are affiliated in some group that has an agenda. And it's usually uh, against or on the edges or meant to influence whatever the dominant system or regime is. Oh, ooh, that's clever. That's good. <laughs> but I think you'll see that in a lot no, of stuff. No, yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. That, I like that it, mm-hmm. in, in storytelling, you know. Yeah. And, and we are really talking about from a storytelling perspective. I'm not talking about real people so, you know, so <laughs> much. Real people who might embrace Wicca or... Right, we're not, yeah, and we're, that's another way, like the the word evolves or whatever. Yes. Okay. All right. So we're still still on the same page. Yeah. The only thing I would like to add to that about like the sorceress is I feel that that is basically it's a construct of the fantasy genre essentially, yes. mm-hmm. and the witch predates all of that, right? And so, like, the reason why I'm a little hesitant to include, like, a sorceress is because I feel like there's so much, like, male gaze garbage <laughs> about, like, a sorceress, you right. know? Because you think about, I just described a witch living her dream life in her swamp shack, right? She ugly, or maybe she's comfortable, or maybe she's got a spell to make her beautiful, but it's just like... I'll but that power's for her. Yeah, it's for yeah. her to get what she needs, which is, like, babies to eat, or whatever it is. What, what have you? Yeah. But, like, when you think of a sorcerer, like, I think of just, like, a really cringy description that would just be, like, you know, like, an Alessandra with her slim fingers tapered over the edge <laughs> of a dagger looked threateningly and she's slender in her long gown slit with a deep slit in her elegant... And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, like, that kind of garbage. It's like Roger Rabbit's wife, but she's magic. Uh, yes, <laughs> she's slim, but she's very busty. How did she do it, magic? You know, like like yeah. that's and that's why I would be almost categorically say if she's more of a sorceress, if she's more of that male gaze figure, for the most part, like that's meh. okay. You may be a little borderline with the cases too. Like, is it really? But it doesn't matter. You can get super in the weeds on this, and we're trying not to. Yeah, <laughs> black hat, outcast. Working outside of society, you don't have to have the black hat, uh-huh. but it's a nice accessory. Probably have an agenda, power for yourself, that sort yeah. of thing. Works with nature. Dark magic, we said. Okay, yeah. yeah okay, we, I okay. like all this. Yes, I like, this is I think, all good. I think we're right. And then the last thing I want to say about who isn't going to be included unless uh-huh. you had something was, um, okay, I did think when I was making my picks, I thought pretty hard about whether I wanted to do Angela Bassett as Marie Laveau in American Horror Story. Uh-huh in coven and i ultimately decided against that and well first of all i feel that ryan murphy plays a little fast and loose with cultural elements that he shouldn't (laughs) feel so entitled to play fast and loose with but he does and this is coming from somebody who's like watched a lot of what he's done and appreciates mm-hmm. and what the he witch does. season was particularly good. I did, and I did. They like were pretty that much season. like witch X Men or something. Yeah, and that and there was a reason why. Like I loved Angela Bassett in that role. Um, I think that there were some problematic elements, mm-hmm. and in in the way that they had 
the witches versus the the voodoo gals. Mm-hmm. And I, I do ultimately come down on the side of folk religions with sorcery that come out of the African diaspora, like Louisiana voodoo, like the Gullah low country hoodoo. I'm not including that in the list because I feel like that it's not the same thing. And right. it's also more of a real folk magic practice. Right. And it's not something that I'm like, yeah, she's an awesome witch. Like I'm, I, I'm sorry, but I got to be a little more of a buzzkill than that. Like I did really enjoy that character. I did enjoy that season, but this brush is against like the mysterious and fantastical, not something that's actually rooted in something real. Yeah. yeah. And then this is a little too close for my comfort. And yeah. again, I like, uh, I enjoyed AHS Coven. I really enjoyed AHS Apocalypse where the uh-huh. witches were dressed beautifully. Their fashion was just glorious. I loved all their outfits. It's ridiculous and over the top, but ultimately so noteworthy, but not on our list for this. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, so like, and I, that's and that I just wanted to speak sort of with some clarity about mm-hmm. why, you know, it's it's not from lack of respect for, you know, that as a as a cool cultural practice that you see in pop culture. It's more like from respect for it. Like I don't. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Sure, sure. It's you know, a different thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're talking about bog witches and how it plays out in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always talking about bogs. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so so our Halloween costume, which is <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, but exactly like how it's crystallized right. in pop culture, and that is how. So Ryan Murphy, take notes. I know he's listening. <laughs> okay, well, All I right. feel pretty good about about that. I think that's gonna like make our content yeah, that pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm so, and I'm sorry. I know that was like a little in the. I, I'm trying not to get in the weeds, but that's a little. No, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, we got to talk about it though. <laughs> Okay, well, Rebecca, do you want to start us off on our witch countdown with your first pick? Number 10. You feel that? You bless me. I can feel him running through my veins. He's still in me. Number ten. I like I like how you do your own sound effects, knowing, <laughs> knowing that we that specifically we do have sound effects coming in. But yes, I do like to make my own sound effects. <laughs> it's fun. It helps me get involved. Number ten, we have Nancy from The Craft. Oh, okay, that's a good one. It is a good one. Oh, All right, women of a certain age. You know me and me and 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 boys. Of a certain age. I'm sorry, men. I'm sorry. That was, I should not have said boys. Women of a certain age. You know, uh, my story. I crash landed on a meteor untold millennia ago, which is to say I'm 38 years old. And um, The Craft is one of those movies that if you are of a certain age, you have a really soft spot in your heart mm-hmm. for it. I, I, I think um, uh, it's definitely one of those fantastic 90s girl power movies. Uh-huh. And it was a goofy movie, even at the time. Like, I mean, I was like 11. I wasn't very old when it came out. Um, but, of course, I'd seen it a million times. And I wasn't, like, taken by it. I mean, I was already old and world-weary and blasé. And I knew it was a goofy movie then. But, like, I still, it's it's funny to me how fond I am of it now mm-hmm. uh, in retrospect. And Nancy, of course, is played by Feruza Balk, and she's the one who 
goes a little overboard with her mm-hmm. her newfound witch powers. Gosh, she's she's a great. She has such a great presence. She and is she's so fun. She is great, and it, it's really funny too because I feel like it's you know the the four main witches in the craft. Uh, it's kind of like the Beatles. It's like you know who, which which one are you? Uh-huh, are you like uh-huh, a, are you uh-huh. a John or a Paul? And, you know, Robin Tunney plays, I don't even remember the character's name. That's how boring she is. But she's the Mary Sue. Like, she's uh-huh. the one that you're supposed to imagine yourself through, m- mostly. Like, she's the most powerful, but she's real chill about it. And uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. And then you've got Rochelle. She's a more practical one. And her story is that she's persecuted um, by, like, the terrible mean girls in the school. Okay. And, you know, it's, like, racial persecution. And she, she's, like gets to enact like a glorious revenge on I don't even remember any of that. Oh my god, the terrible bully girl played by Christine Taylor beautifully, uh-huh. right? Um and then there's Neb Campbell, she's the quiet one. It's like she's like the George of the craft, uh-huh. right? So like are you are you her? Yeah. Or you can just be like, are you bonkers? Are you Nancy? And you're like, <laughs> okay, I'm the one who took it a little too far. And she, I called she, on you see the Bill Spectre? <laughs> was Phil Spector one of was he the fifth Beatle? I don't know. I, he would have said so. Then he got real killy. Yeah, Not a good weird. person. Yeah. Not a good person. Okay. But anyway, no no no. Yeah, she she's the one who she goes completely out of control with her powers and at one point they're doing a little invocation spell and she takes in all the powers of Menon, which is the fictional deity they made up uh-huh. for the movie. But yeah, so I I don't know it's it's just there's really not anything to say about it more except to say uh, that it was the most fun '90s movie ever. Like well, Skeet was... Ulrich is in it, you know. <laughs> well, if it, it was in the in the '90s, like I feel like when we were growing up, there was still a a, a little bit of that satanic panic type thing. Like it's funny to think about that being out there, that being a very uh, common movie for girls of that time to watch i guess like parents just didn't care about it or yeah it was it was a pretty bubblegum film all things considered even though it got a little bit dark but yeah like they um it it was fun because it's anything you could imagine and pretend with your friends when you're having a slumber party true i remember the light is a feather yeah yeah that that fantastic scene where they play the slumber party game light as a feather stiff as a board and then it works a little too well which is also just really fun. I think it's a fun commentary on uh, female social bonding rituals, uh-huh. period. Because they all get a little witchy. Like a slumber party. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you're, you're doing the, uh, the little fortune tellers. Like the, the mash. Mm-hmm. Like who will, you know, you're going to live in a mansion, apartment, shack, house. Like you're doing divination. You're doing like, who will I marry? With mm-hmm. those little, they would call them cootie catchers. Like yeah. little paper things that fold back and forth. Um, you would do rituals. You would do Bloody Mary in the mirror. You'd tell ghost stories. I mean, like, slumber parties are witchy as hell. Like they I, are. I, I remember one time my sister went to a slumber party, and she came back and reported on the way home in the car that they played uh, with a Ouija board. Ooh. And they turned the lights off, and then she said, and also they have a baby at their house named Damien. They had <laughs> a baby my- at their house named Damien? <laughs> and my mom was like, we're not going over there anymore. You're not going over there anymore. <laughs> So I believe you. Did anyone get thrown off a balcony? <laughs> Probably not for that reason. Probably. Just they were wild. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just regular routine throwing. Just your regular girly carryings on. But no, but it's, I, I, that's why I had to pick this one because I just think it's such a fun embodiment of the ways that you play with uh, the idea of the supernatural 
just casually in adolescence. It's super fun. Like it's, I've, I've, again, I didn't love it at the time so much, but I'm surprised by how fond of it I am now. Number nine. I can feel him. Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all had I not pulled us into the Soul Gem. Can we beat him? Not physically. Our plan was to keep him occupied long enough to let Warlock pull him in here, into the Soul Gem. Okay, number nine. This is my first pick. I'm choosing Adam Warlock from Marvel Comics. Aw, uh, see, and I already said very magnanimously <laughs> that you can choose a male witch. I won't quibble. I Tell us about Adam Warlock. Okay. Also, I'm really glad we've got a comic book person represented here because I was kind of self-conscious that we hadn't really chosen uh -huh. anyone from comics yet. Go on. Okay, yeah, he is kind of a, a, a witch superhero. He was a lot more popular in the 90s, which is when I collected comics pretty heavily. Anyway, my favorite series to collect at this time was uh, The Infinity War. And is, this is different from the movie, actually. I mean, comics fans will know this, but, you know, the movies now, although they're part of the... Uh, Infinity War uh, film series. They were actually based on a comic series called the Infinity Gauntlet. And in the comics, the Infinity War was something different entirely. Um, and it had all the heroes and villains in the same story and you get to see them all together. And at the center of that story was Adam Warlock. And he's this cosmic character who at the time was defending all the Infinity Gems. And he was kind of strange. He's like this blonde guy with gold skin and he, had, he was like a superhero with witch clothes and like a big gold wrestling belt and a cape. Yeah, finish it off. Um, no eyeballs. And um, he had a, a group with him called the Infinity Watch. And they were supposed to guard the Infinity Gems and everything. I mean, I always liked this guy because he's making these cosmic scale decisions on his own. And he's probably half crazy because he's seen all his own death and everything. And anytime he shows up, it's going to be real bad. So... Uh, he was he was a lot of fun to collect, and the reason I'm wait so it was bad not because he was bad but because he's like the bearer of bad news. Yes, we were just talking about this last night. Ooh, this is gonna come up later in the countdown. Ooh, how like your your norms your normies out there they don't like it so much when someone smarter than them comes and prognosticates a problem, <laughs> whether it's related to the Infinity Stones or just like generally speaking like in real life, in your job, it, at work. Like, we're going to need to iron out this thing on our website. Boss, I think we need more screws. <laughs> yeah. like, It'll hold. Yeah, <laughs> like, get out of here with your future saying, I got no part of that. And I just think it's funny because people who prioritize being intelligent like to be, not they don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but you, you like to be the person who has that knowledge but a lot of people are just like, out of sight, out of mind. Get out of here, Adam Warlock! <laughs> well, I feel like there was definitely some dark magic at play with Adam Warlock because the reason I'm kind of obsessed with him is because the store where I was collecting these Infinity War comics was a food lion. And I got <laughs> like the first six issues of this series every month dutifully. I was loving it. And then the food lion manager decided he just wasn't going to get the last two. And so I never got to figure out until like 20 years later how the Infinity War ended. Like he got like extra copies of NFL Man or whatever crazy thing they were going to try That's in the terrible. 90s. And so I never knew how it ended just because some That's manager at Food Lion decided that he did not care about the adventures of Adam Warlock. You're the only monster here, Michael. 
which is very sad. That is very sad. That's incredibly sad. I'm sure if you could talk to him today, he'd be like, Adam who? <laughs> but Isn't that weird how they used to be able to do that at grocery stores? Like they get part of a series for things. I remember we collected these zoo book encyclopedias and they release release like a new letter every week at the store and they stopped at like M. And like and my sister and I had all these zoo books through M. And then anything after M, we don't know anything about You're those like, animals. I can't never learn nothing about zebras. That's exactly right. No one in my books. <laughs> How can I write my report now? The internet won't come along for like three more years. Many years later, I remember you and I were in a comic book store and I was looking at the Infinity War stuff and the comic guy there was like, I can't get rid of these awful 90s comics. Do you just want to buy all the Infinity War for like $20? I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, guess I didn't want it that bad. I guess not. Number eight. I am a witch. A real house haunting, broom riding, cauldron stirring witch. It must be the champagne. It's been a hectic day for both of us. This getting married is not as easy as it looks. Would I say I was a witch if I'm not? I don't know. For number eight. I chose Samantha Stevens, Bewitched. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, I thought I almost thought about a, a sitcom witch. Yeah. Okay, so, so tell, this, tell us about Samantha. Okay, so this is a this is an important figure in witch representation. Uh -huh. I think so. Uh, Bewitched, the sitcom, ran from 1964 to 1972. I believe it was ABC. That's a long run. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. They they had some deals too, because. They had to replace the husband and bloody bloody. Oh, that's kind of witchy. Yeah. What, what happened to him? <laughs> oh, <if laughs> she I wanted remember... to improve her dairy. <laughs> if I remember correctly, he got injured on the set of a film he was making oh, really? or something, and like it was just hard, like on his back. Like, right. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't come and shoot a lot of sets. Fell which... over a uh, Dick, uh, Dick Van Dyke stool. And maybe <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was a common common mishap. They always the same living room. Gradually, I believe they even had episodes where he wasn't in it at all just because uh -huh. they were trying to accommodate the actor. But, but yeah, uh, this is a story of a woman who is a witch, but she wants to swear off her witchy ways and just be a nice, normal housewife. But she can't help herself, and so she's always getting into, like, a little bit of supernatural uh -huh. mischief, you know. And she's definitely, like, a very, like, an earthy witch because she's, she's just doing, like, everyday magic. Like, you know, you wiggle your nose and... There's like shrubs that are growing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? She, like, it's just real. It's practical witchy stuff. I picked this one because so because first of all, this show was hugely popular. And if you watch, like you know, I think it's the premise of the pilot that she comes clean to her husband on their wedding night, which is also there's no weird <laughs> symbolism in that at all. Like who did I marry again? Um, but she comes clean to her husband on their wedding night, and he's like. All right. So he's just like, okay, I'll just go with it. You know, he's, he's always a little bit taken aback. He's always plays the straight man. Right. And she's got her hijinks, especially with her family, the mother-in-law and, mm -hmm. and, and so forth. They're all witchy, but he just goes with it. And that's why I think this is a really it's important. Like, Samantha, the boss is coming to dinner. No funny stuff. And then there's funny stuff. Yes. yes that's, and that's every episode. Uh -huh. So I actually think it's important representationally because uh, this was the year after Betty Friedan wrote The Feminine Mystique. This is like right in the blooming of second wave feminism. And I think it's a really fun kind of little metaphor for women's lib at the time because 
if you just look closely enough, like if the women in the in the country are like, you know, perhaps we don't want to just be housewives. Uh -huh. Perhaps we want to embrace our power a bit more. And so the husbands like stretching out a little bit. Yeah, and the husbands are just like, yeah, I'm cool with it. And the fact that it could be that popular, I mean, I think it's like it's not subversive. It's not. I wouldn't call it like, ooh, it's a subversive piece. That would be like really stretching. But I do think it's cute and funny mm -hmm. that one thing we learn about the patriarchy in the world is that the patriarchy doesn't mean men. It's not like men are keeping you down. What? It's a structure. You know, uh -huh. it's a system. And we're all its victims. If you know, if you want to get like, if you want to be dramatic, like everyone is affected by systems of power. But the individuals who live their lives inside these structures, you know, the, the, they're 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 cool with it. Just be a witch, babe. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and I mean, I think it was really cute. I mean, it was a cute show. And she wiggled her nose to do yeah, the she magic. Wiggled, that's how you knew she was doing her magic, because uh -huh. she wiggled her nose. That's a special effect we can pull off. <laughs> yeah. <back then. laughs> the special effects were pretty good at the yeah. time, too. I, I watched a little bit of it. But yeah, no, I, and I just, I mean, I just think it, it was a really fun and cute character. And of course, if you're a fan of like mid-century fashion, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing to behold, because they all look real cute, and they've got like a real cute little house, and you know, it's nice. Patty Duke doesn't want to follow that. <laughs> she couldn't. <laughs> Number seven. Okay, number seven. Is this my second pick? Yes, this is my second pick. I get What's confused numbers? when it's not when it's saying two. I don't know. Um, uh, so I had to pick a space witch. I, I knew that needed to be on the, the list. Yes. Um, and I'm picking the Reverend Mother from Dune. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just just that word. I mean, where do you start with Dune? I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a series, it was a, a novel series in the 60s from Frank Herbert. There was a sci-fi channel miniseries with James McAvoy. They made a David Lynch movie with Patrick Stewart. There's about to be another weird movie, like as weird and problematic as Frank Herbert was and the story was. The concept is just great. Um, I just love the, the main premise of the sci-fi story. You've got this intergalactic civilization that's possible because of a substance produced by giant sandworms uh, that allows amphibious tank people to fold space and time. I mean, it's just, it's just some great crazy stuff. <laughs> and one of the coolest and creepiest parts about Dune um, are the Bene Gesserit. And these are the space witches. Uh, they're, everybody calls them witches behind their back for the same reason you call anybody a witch. But basically, they're a secret order of women who sort of inveigle themselves into politics and marriages and armies to shape uh, the course of history to their liking. As one does. Yes. Oh, it's like, it's, you know, it's like the Oracle at Delphi. Yes, um, a lot like that. And they, and they sort of style themselves, it's sort of like a few, like a far future Vatican, except it's only, it's only women. Um, but yeah, it is, is sort of like that because a big part of their power is um, prescience and prognosticating. So I, I think there is a lot of that in there too. I mean, like you were saying, there are a lot of groups like this too, too like um, like witches and like uh, his dark materials or Wheel of Time or like any fantasy novel with women. You know, you'll start to see some of these um, weird 
female magic groups that work on the on the margins like this. So, and then the the Reverend Mother was just their leader. Yeah, she so, was the figurehead. She's like the the Pope of uh, the the Bene Gesserit. And is this an elected position or uh, is it? I would a, assume there's some sort of secret rites. Uh, okay. I don't I don't remember if like they get into like that. A, that it's much. not like a born thing. Like it's not like she, no. she's like the lineage. Okay. I don't I don't think so. I I think there's. Just she's like an elder, I think. The head memo. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> head memo in space. Surprising. I have not read Dune. I tried when I was young. I should try again. They get weirder as they go. And see, weird. I I can I can handle. Weird I do now. like the weird. Do you weird know ones what? Too. Since I was young, the world has gotten a lot weirder, and I am not being funny. <laughs> I feel like my my threshold for what I consider weird is just, eh. <laughs> I should read Dune again. I'd be like, this is all pretty normal. Like, Baron Harkonnen. And, you know, see, just, there's something. See, there's something. Oh, uh, we do. Now, remember, we do have the sci-fi miniseries on DVD. What I'm hearing is that you would like to watch this in its entirety this evening. No, thanks. <laughs> I'll watch it later. I'll watch it later. We should watch the David Lynch one with Patrick Stewart. There we go. Is that the one where Sting appears yes. in, in underpants yes. that disturb us all? I know that from yes. the movie. All right. Number six. Who's that? He's the son of Poseidon. Who's that? He's going to climb. And who's that? He's sitting in a kiddie pool in your yard. Give him a beer and Scott. Scott's pick. Like it's a different okay. segment. Double, We're double, toiling trouble. Scott's here in Cauldron Bubble. That's not, I don't know. Speaking of bubble, what, what is that drink you have over there? Uh, Fantastic Haze Imperial IPA. It looks refreshing and fruity. It it's, does. It looks like a good summer beer. It, it is, it actually. Like it has a ebullient flavor. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> bubbly. Like a cauldron. Like a, that was <laughs> a great segue. <laughs> All right, uh-huh. so it's time for Scott's pick. And Scott's pick... For his top favoritist, best to talk about which today? Uh huh. One of the one of the best Disney movies ever made, 1963, Sword in the Stone. Oh, Mad Madam Mim. I love that is, it. That is who I was gonna pick. Are you serious? That is hilarious. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. No, but that's good though. That is good. Sorry. <laughs> now don't tell me you've never heard of the marvelous Madam Mim. Well, no. I don't guess so. Why, boy, I'm the greatest. I'm truly marvelous. With only a touch, I have the power. Zim, zaprim, bim, do with her a flower. She is conniving, and she's trying to be Merlin's match in the thing. So you're talking about, like, the wizard's duel that he wants to have because uh, he wants to save... uh, Arthur, who she has captive or whatever. Correct, yes. He wants the the sorcerer's equivalent to a pistol duel. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yeah. Of course, the, you know, uh, Mad Man of Mim, she's into her tricks and bends the rules and whatever else and actually turns into a dragon. Did I say no purple dragons? Did I? Yeah, I used to own the VHS and I watched this movie so many times and I just loved uh, them changing into you know elephants and different animals and his you know Merlin just I don't know being more cunning and you know everything else and her still trying to trick 
you know, bend the rules and everything else. And that actress who did it was so good. And I was reading that she was like in her 70s when she did that performance. And it's just like a barn burner, like her introduction song. Yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. It was so funny when she's talking about how she has like the silver yeah and she's like pulling up her pants and like doing all like the lumbering yeah it was it was a good good animation yeah too she was she was hilarious she was she was she was great this isn't about her but i seem to remember scott we saw a picture of you when you were a kid dressing like a witch for halloween is this true this is very true it was a it was a nice plastic hat with uh like plastic orange hair an orange-haired witch that's unusual uh-huh. yeah usually you would be like green but know, it black. was like it was it was literally like a pom-pom you know like the old pom-poms back in the day there was oh, just yeah. like mm-hmm. plastic ribbon it was like that but it was like a wig <laughs> so it was like i'm putting on this plastic wig plus a plastic hat that i'm just like sweating <laughs> and uh it was a hot i think album. i did i wear face makeup you're like get this child more no candy. i know he's I didn't having it. a hard time i think he's- i I think I used my cape for my Dracula lat from the year prior. When you guys tasked me with this, I had a hard time like disassociating the word witch with a woman, and like because I'm like, oh, it's that's a witch is a woman and a warlock is a man. But I guess you know whatever. What if it's an alien? Like, <laughs> is that a witch? Yeah, does that count? We would have let you argue your case no yeah. matter what it was. Number five! A curse! You've unleashed furies who don't even know their power. Well, now who is exaggerating? Even if it was the wish of your heart. That's a lie! He was my father! I loved him! He was not your father! You owe no blood debt to that man! You lie and lie and lie! So many lies you've spun like a sorceress confusing me! Look at you. Okay, I wanted to pick at least one real witch for our countdown. Okay. So I am picking uh, Olympias of Macedon, who was the mother of Alexander the Great. Uh, you just wanted to talk about Alexander <laughs> the Great. Well, you know how I like ancient gossip. Quit duding up my countdown about <laughs> ladies. No, I'm just kidding. Go on. No, this is good. I do. Tell us about Alexander you, the Great. Well, you know the smother. You know the history books that I like to get are the ones where there's good gossip in it. Oh yeah, no, I, absolutely. I'm not reading for the battles and stuff. I like to read about all their personal problems and their insults and and stuff like that and so i wanted to pick olympias because i think she's a good example of how we use the word to describe any sort of like outside spiritualism and also because of some of the fun details we suspect were true about her that make her sound like an actual witch and she may have even been a little bit evil so she was kind of a fun pick i think i think (laughs) and we don't have a lot of great media representation for her because didn't like angelina jolie play her in some (laughs) i don't remember which uh, i don't know either but like right like we there's never there's not like some great performance that we can be like oh she did a good job that's terrible no no shade yeah whatever i don't care who cares if i say something bad about about Angelina Jolie. Whatever, I don't care. Also, I never saw that movie, but I understand it was not great. You're so cursed by the gods when you speak like this. So you have to pick her as a historical figure because there's not even like a great representation of her. I don't think so. I I think pretty much all we know about her is from... Old Plutarch and people like that. Yep. I don't think we get we get a lot of a lot of media about her. Uh, but one of the things Plutarch told us about her is that 
she was inducted into a snake cult of Dionysus. Yes. During uh, one a, a you mis- had me at snake cult. <laughs> during a mystery ceremony with a with a capital M. You know they talk about like mysteries. These are always like any sort of like secret uh, club or organization, and that's supposedly where she met king philip and and decided to marry her later and there are all kinds of like wild rumors about what being in a cult of diagnosis would entail and you can look those up yourself but um i think they illustrate a lot of the fear of uh feminine wiles and seductivity and and things like that (laughs) they will overcome me with spirit and i might get lusty (laughs) i don't know i assume it's a bunch of that i did like the idea of the secret organizations i think those are that's always really fun to think about and especially when you're a kid and i got to be in one one secret organization when i was a when i was a kid uh was, I was it a snake cult it wasn't. um no but there were snakes um <laughs> uh so i was in the boy scouts there were lots of snakes <laughs> snakes everywhere <laughs> snakes and frogs and alligators so in the Boy Scouts, there is a secret organization that you can join, and it is just absolutely ridiculous and laughable and fake, like Native American appropriation stuff that was just, is just ridiculous. But anyway, they made it sound like it was going to be this really fun, super top secret thing that you can join. But I'll go ahead and tell you the secrets of this organization. Oh, they, we're they, about to hear some yeah, secrets. You basically uh, sleep in the woods by yourself uh, you don't eat for an entire day, and then you just do crap service projects around one of the big campsites for the entire day on no food. So that just sounds like a scheme by Boy Scout leaders to not have to think of programming for <laughs> yeah, like a whole so. day of a camp out. I think so. They're like, man, we just go sit here and drink beer while they go off on their exactly. vision quest. Exactly. I got that from the library. Well... I'm I'm glad you brought up the uh, annoying scoutmasters because the thing that made me really hate this uh, organization was that the big part of this ceremony was that you weren't allowed to talk for the whole day oh, either. Oh, this is torture for a young Will. <laughs> and they had and you everybody had their own little wooden arrow they had to carry around with them. And if they caught you talking, they would carve a notch in this arrow. And if you got three, you weren't allowed to be in the secret organization. And I was working on two. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you find to talk to? I just Birds? The, just the uh, other dudes around camp. We were like hammering posts in the ground. Oh. I'd be like, "This sucks, Notch." You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm hungry, Notch. And so, uh, w- at one point, we were in the dirt. Uh, you know, just braiding something. And I was like, Ugh. "Hungry," and this sucks. And one of the scoutmasters managed to lift himself from his camp chair and <laughs> wandered over to me with his carabiner bouncing against his leg. And he was like, let me see your arrow, boy. I was like, but that's going to be my third one. And then he was like, well, we got to learn hard lessons. And I was like, all right. I'm like, peace. I'm going to go sit with you guys. <laughs> and uh, so eventually somebody came to me later and was like, like, okay, just don't talk no more. We're going to kind of rub this one out this last notch. Just don't talk no more. So real good organization. Real good top secret organization there. Uh, I didn't mean to hijack Olympias's entry here, but... She I, probably went through the same ordeal. Yes, she went through the same thing, I'm sure, is, is my point. <laughs> Olympia, you talk too much. <laughs> I wanted to mention me her, arrow. too, because I think she was a good example of like being one of these major political players. I mean, she pretty much ruled Macedon when Alexander the Great 
went on campaign, and she was instrumental in making sure that he got the throne and under the other heirs. And one of the one of the stories they tell about her was that there were some other contenders for the throne that Alexander would inherit, and they were very young. And to make sure that Alexander got it, she told uh, two very young children to look very closely into this burning brazier, and then she pushed their heads into it real quick. And so Alexander was the only one left. And so it was a real witchy thing to do if it was if the it was old true. Brazier. Yeah. The, the old. So, but for like all the political machinations they, they ascribe to her and her feminine wiles and her being part of the snake cult and everything, I, I think she's you, a great seem, example. That, the brazier thing doesn't even sound very witchy. It just sounds like a pageant mom. It'd be like, <laughs> right. like my baby gonna win the title. <laughs> Get in this closet. I stole her tap shoes. Now she can't, you know, like it, that kind of a thing. Just on a bigger scale and involving braziers. <laughs> Number four. I should have insisted that she stay home. Remorse will get you nowhere. My wife is dead. Wake up! People are dying all around you. You're not the only one to suffer a loss. When you're dead, you're dead. Now it's time to get this boy to the giant before we're all so much dead meat. No, you keep away from no. him. This is no time to be soft-hearted. He's going to the giant and I'm taking Yes! Yes, he's the one to blame. Okay, I begin my number four pick with an apology. Okay. Because it's from a musical. Were they worthless beans? Were they oversold? And I apologize for making any of us think about musicals. Persuaded me to trade away my cow for beans. Because I'm not a fan, but I must. I picked The Witch from Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods. Oh, I was going to uh, make a lot of fun of you if you forgot to mention this, because you would have been so mad at yourself for not including it. So, uh, Oh, The Witch from Into the yes. Woods? Yeah, no, I actually, I thought, I was like, because I'm, okay, first of all, just get out of the way. I'm not a musical person, not a big, not a big musical person. I'm not like, I love musicals. Let's listen to the soundtrack for Hamilton. Like, it's fine if you are. Like, musicals are totally valid, blah blah And I even enjoy this one, but... It's not my typical zhuzh, but I have to pick her because she represents what I was talking about earlier, which is the bearer of bad news who's just like, hey, I'm just here to give you all a dose of reality. Um, Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods, if you're not familiar, it's basically a huge deconstruction of the happy ever after story. Mm -hmm. It takes a whole bunch of different fairy tales like you know, Little Red Riding Hood and Jack of the Beanstalk and Cinderella and Rapunzel. And um, it mushes all of their stories together. And in the first act, everyone has their problems solved, or so it seems. You could watch the curtains for the first act and you're like, oh, what a happy ending. And the entire second act is, okay, what comes next after Happily Ever After and how people are not prepared for having their wishes come true. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was trying to brush up on the plot for this, I was surprised to see her described as the secondary antagonist. <laughs> uh, because in the play, so first of all, in the play, she, I mean, like on Broadway, I think the person who really nailed it was Bernadette Peters, although tons of people have played her, like Felicia Rashad, tons of other people. Meryl Streep played her in that movie. What did I clearly say? Children should listen. Um... I was very surprised to see her described as a secondary antagonist because in my memory, it's just like, she was the one who was right. She was just right. She's just, everybody's being like, oh, I'm too good to solve a problem. I can't get my hands dirty. And the witch is like, you're all going to die if you don't do what I say. This is important. 
and she even has like lyrics in her barn burning performance of the last midnight where she says i'm not good i'm not nice i'm just right uh-huh. okay that's an important person to be you got to be the person who's just right and um her quote unquote evil comes from not trusting people as she you know as many people understand uh trauma manifests as outward anger sometimes but she's to even hear her described or even to say that she's the antagonist in the in the play seems really silly because also the character like she takes the final bow you know what i mean like she's like it she's the one I don't, I don't even know if the film does the story justice because I actually think this is one of the few things that really do better on stage uh-huh. than in a fully realized film. I watched the film and thought I was like, okay. Uh, Meryl Streep was great, <laughs> of course, understatement. Like, she's one of your greats. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and I, I really do think that the deconstructed plot, the deconstructed fairy tale is important and it's just an important character, so... I'm fond of it. I mean, and you did do this when you were in high school. I did. You, I knew you were going to bring it up because I can't did. not mention it. I did get when I was. I, I did get to play the witch, uh-huh. and, and and I'm not like. And, and again, I'm not. A, I wasn't a theater kid. Okay? Just, just the witch. He's like, I'll show up for the witch, <laughs> and that's the only part you'll know me from. No, no, but like I do have also fond feelings from that. That was that was like any a other play experience. you were looking through. You're like, bye, bye, buddy. Where's the witch? Well, yeah, where's the, she's the most important one because she's the, she's correct. Like, I didn't know. Which play is next? I was even, I was even, I played the role at some point in my life, but I did not think of her as the antagonist or a villain. So that's, that's how good the character is. Number three. Few of the options we want to take advantage of, and just try to put together some uh, some pieces to this puzzle. Do you believe the occult may be involved in the disappearance of your son? I'm so scared. Okay, my number three pick is the Blair Witch. Yay. Which I, th- I think oh, we, we had. We got another really good 90s entry Yeah, as it's well. a good 90s entry, and I think maybe this is the first of our actual, like, scary horror witches, I think. I don't think we picked one of those yet. No. I, um, yeah, we, we just like the witches. We just like. We do. We're, we're yeah. Just, yeah, they're this not is, the bad guys. This is one of the big, uh, the big um, character types, one of the broad character types, I, I think, was on our list. And, and this one's, I don't know. You might say it's kind of an obvious pick, but. You know, I don't know. It, had, it had to be represented. And also, I think this one's uh, The Blair Witch is kind of interesting because everybody has their own relationship with this movie. I mean, I think I think you would have to say this is one of those cultural event movies, yeah, probably. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, did, where, when did you first see it? I got to see it in the theater. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and I went with my sister, and we, like, not just held hands, we, like, crunched down together like twigs like in terror the whole time i mean it was a fantastic experience because that film was very tense throughout i mean it was it was it was a, it was a fun theater going experience and it was the whole time we were just like Neh. yeah we didn't we there were not other things like that at the time i mean sort of the common narrative about it is that 
they sort of started the whole found footage genre right. and that, that sort of thing. Um, and I mean, we weren't rubes back in the nineties. Right. We knew that that was a plot, <laughs> a storytelling device. Like yeah. we knew that wasn't really the footage. I mean, I think maybe if you were a rube, you're like, wait, them kids didn't really get killed in, in Maryland. They didn't <laughs> No, But like, like we, we knew, but yeah, it was the first time anybody had really done that. It was clever and inventive at the time. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't been riffed on a million times, which you can still do good found footage movies like you you can but yes, yeah you're it right a, it, it started a, it it was a really simple premise that they just did some masterful editing with with from like tons and tons of hours of footage they shot um and the, the basic premise in this 1999 movie is that some film students go into the maryland woods to make a documentary about the legend of the blair witch who supposedly kidnapped seven children in the 40s and you know i was talking about how this was sort of a cultural event for us i wonder if it was kind of like the exorcist for our parents or something like that you know my parents were not uh horror movie people uh to say the least i mean they're very much like tom hanks and the movie summersby or something like that you know what i mean they're not but and and they're also fans of the doobie brothers yes (laughs) and And others and other (laughs) such great hits but my mom told me that her their first date was to see the movie The Exorcist. And my mom said she got so stressed out that she had to go be sick in the bathroom afterwards, that which is I really, think is so funny. That is really funny, too, because like you can you know the thinking. Of course, the thinking is like, oh, it's a scary movie. She's going to get right. scared. She's going to snuggle up against we me. We thought it was like the aliens are going to cover yeah. something. But this is like but no, a like, psychological I, terror. I feel The Exorcist was like, it's still one of those films that some people are like, I can't with that movie. Like, yeah. just, you know, It's one of those movies that has like, so profoundly I don't know, st- stressful for people. And there aren't... It's rev- not fun yeah. for some people, which is hilarious. I mean, it's funny to me. Like, I, I get it, but yeah. <laughs> and there weren't, like, reviews around for them like there were for us now. I mean, I assume high school kids in the 70s weren't reading newspapers about <laughs> film reviews or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, I never did a lot of slasher movies except for the, you know, the ones that had, like, horror characters or kind of comic booky, like Freddy or Jason or something. But... This one caught my attention, and I did I did end up seeing this one, you know, when it came out. And this was another one that was really scary to me because I lived in the woods, and I had to go <laughs> out and place like like even to get the garbage can, I had to go down like this big tunnel of trees and stuff. Yeah. I did not want to think about the Blair Witch being out yeah, there. Yeah, you see one of those things hanging from a tree, one of those like sigils, and you're <laughs> like, uh oh. Yeah. And 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 so maybe it's worth talking about the the Blair Witch herself and why she was so scary. I mean, all we really ever know about her in the film is that she supposedly kidnapped those children, and she keeps leaving uh, these little uh, twig uh, configurations hanging in trees and stuff like that. Sometimes they're little gory pouches and 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 things, but you never actually see her, and that's, that's and the you big never deal. actually see her, and it's uh, the film is better for it. Um, and yeah. I'd, I'd read that they actually filmed. Um, some different endings just to try them out where she either did appear or there are some bloody elements. They ultimately decided to go with the first version that she was not in it, which I think we'd all have to agree was definitely the right decision. Yeah, yeah, your imagination is much worse than whatever kind of monster they could have come up with at the end there. <laughs> you know? I think they made some tacky uh sculpted toys of like the concept for her or whatever that they were going to they were, they were going to try. I think McFarland Toys did one or whatever if you want to look it up, but uh glad that didn't make it in the film yeah. because it's so classy and cool and cool without yeah. it. Yeah. Agree. Number 2. 
I tell you, I nearly died. There she was, parading around in clothes that couldn't keep a titmouse dry in a drizzle. I mean, it was next to nothing. I'd say it was next to plenty. And she had half the teenagers in town writhing around to that jungle music. And this morning, on my regular tour of the boys' lavatory, I confiscated this. All right, my number two. This is, this is where we come full circle. Okay. I choose Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yeah, she's she's got to be at the top. Yeah, she's great. Is that your number one? No. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I was going to be, like, excited. No, no, no. Okay, so... Here's why okay. she satisfies all these requirements, right? And why she lands at the top of my list. If you remember the plot, she's just like a B-movie schlock hostess who gets uh, an estate, like a house, that she inherits from her great-aunt, who was a witch. And so it's uncertain throughout a lot of the movie whether Elvira actually has powers or if she's just sort of tapping into the powers of her of her witchy relative. Mm -hmm. But eventually we leave with like, you know, like the last parting words of her great aunt spirit. She says, the power is inside you. So like, uh -huh. I, ultimately she has the same witchy powers. I think she counts as a witch, but um, mostly it's because the whole plot of the film revolves around her moving into the small town and being persecuted by all the frumpy dumps uh -huh. who don't like that she's sexy and she's expressive and she's doing what she wants and she's making the teens paint her house although they want to and dance to music and have a good time. They even try to burn her at the stake at one point. And I pick her because I think, like, ultimately, Elvira is the manifestation of what you want to be as an adult. Like, if you're going to have uh -huh. witchy powers, what are you going to use it for? Her big goal in the film is she wants to play Vegas and she can never do it because she doesn't have the money to get out there. And she does get to live out her dreams, which is ultimately just like radical, unapologetic self-expression. Uh-huh. Like she is herself. She is funny. She's clever. She just wants to do what she wants to do. And that is radical in a way. You know, that is subversive in yeah, a way. Yeah, that's what the suburban nightmare people are objecting to and yes. suspicious of her Led about. Led by uh, Edie McClurg, who, of course, is fantastic in the role. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah no, and it, it, it's just a really fun movie. And I, I think it's a great expression of the theme. And also because, uh, you know, we talk about one of the big fears of, of witches is, of course, rooted in a fear of, feminine sexual power <laughs> duh and i also said at the beginning of the countdown that i really objected to what i was calling the male gaze sorceress mm -hmm. it was like she's even twirling an orb in her hand yeah. like you know like that <laughs> right. kind of mess and i don't like that and you could ask me like well rebecca what's the difference between that and how elvira at the finale of her movie has a tassel twirling routine right. on her Vegas stage shows. Guess where the tassels are? If you please watch this movie, it's amazing. It's please, really funny. Please watch this movie. No, it's it's really fun. It's on YouTube like for free. You can find it everywhere now. Um, and the difference is that uh, there's a really big difference between uh, a gaze that you invite and that you are in control of, and uh, something that's put upon you, right? Uh -huh. And she is unapologetically 
embracing her power and um, having fun with it. And that's why I, I just think she's a, an adult role model just all the time. <laughs> just that joie de vivre. Like, I want to be Elvira today, still, now. So she's my number one. I think that's great. Our number two. Unpleasant dream. Just okay. I do feel like it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus, just because uh-huh. I know that everybody's like, I love them. And um, I only recently watched Hocus Pocus like literally three days ago because I missed that boat in the 90s. I was already like well into my grunge phase. I, I would not have watched that film then. But uh, it is funny because I was like, oh, they're the stars of the movie. It's about them. Like, no, they're the bad guys. Uh-huh. Like the protagonist is some dork kid. I, rem- I remember when watching that movie when I was a kid, when it first came out, and being so smug and proud of myself because uh, I remember watching it with my parents and the kids were hiding in one of the scenes. And I was like, those witches should be able to find them because they can smell children. And then sure enough, later, they, they said, oh, I smell children. And my mom was like, you're so smart. And I'm like, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that, was that's great. My bully. that was great for my self-confidence. <laughs> so anyway, that's the, best, that's the most important part you of that You know what? Movie. Your mom is big on that. Like, in, like it's really funny. <laughs> like, because we, we've watched, like, at Christmas time and stuff, we watch movies and shows with your mom. Yes, yeah, so we watch lots she's, of detective films. And if Always, we cannot get through a line without what do you mean by that? What do you think that meant? Yeah, yeah she's really big on pointing out when, like, when she thinks you did a good job of, of getting to a conclusion. Good job, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very that's sweet. That's true. You're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yes. That's funny. Your mom is very smart. It's just funny that she's like, like watching movies, she's like, I'm along for the ride. Like, yeah. you, got, you detectives just do what you're going to do. That's very funny. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I'd be remiss not to mention them. Um, and, uh, can I be obnoxious? I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and say, if you listen to Curdle Huller, mm-hmm. our Halloween audio comedy series, we've got a trio of witches called the Mandrake Sisters, and they're hilarious. I do like them a lot. Okay. I like them a lot. Go, season one, episode four, The Ghost List, it's their first appearance. All of them are worth listening to, but, um... I, I really love them, and they're a trio of witches who are named after the Mandrell sisters, Barbara, Erlene, and Louise. Uh-huh. And they're, they're just, they're fun. They're, they're, very they're funny. fun. They want meat, they want fame, they giggle. Yeah. They a come lot. back in season two hard. They're funny. Yes, they do. So anyway, so. I'm just I'm not trying to be obnoxious, but I genuinely do love them. So. Okay, yeah. Thank you for making a pitch for our, for um, our show. Yeah, our great, <laughs> our great, great radio drama. Okay, <laughs> next. That's all mine. Oh, really? Okay. I'm surprised you didn't have this one yours, but I wanted somebody from Wheel of Time represented, so I'm going to say Mor- Moraine from the Aes Sedai. That's fine. They call them witches. Yeah, but that's a pejorative term. Like, I, I just feel like they're, they're more, they're just general magic users. I feel like they're fantasy Bene Gesserit. I, I, I think because people are suspicious of them, they don't trust them, they have their own agenda. I, yeah, I but they're also powerful, and they have a tower that they live in. It's all fancy. Well, what about the, what about the wilders who oh, are not God. part of the tower? <laughs> what about the dark friends? The, 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 the dark, the well, black Aja. Well, we got to get rid of them. The black Aja of okay. the Aes Sedai are witches. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. All right. That's so fine. I got done on the technicality. <laughs> Everybody from wheel of time, just, uh, their spine straightened. They love hearing it. Um, I'm also going to say grandmama from the Adams family. Oh, that's true. Yes, yeah, that's the Carol, the Carol Kane one. But I, you know what? The first one from the movie, from the 90s movie, who was not Carol Kane, also great. 
It was just yeah. a great character. Yeah. Um, I have a few here. The other one I'm going to mention is um, is Hagar from Voltron, the the space witch who, right. who made the Robo Beasts. You and that's all I'll have to say about that. <laughs> uh, two space witches, Will. I feel like you're pushing it here. <laughs> Number one. So. With that out of the way, who's your number one witch of all time? You've cursed this family. Okay, so I was really glad to hear some of the themes that you were pulling from in your last pick, uh, because my pick is the witch from the 2015 Robert Eggers film, The Witch. Ding, ding, ding. That's a good one. I think we would both agree this is like one of the best witches. Yes. Yes. I, this is probably one of our favorite films in general, I, yes. I would guess. This is like the movie I always hope I'm going to see when I watch a horror movie. It's the movie that I never knew I wanted to see until I saw it. Because before that came along folk horror as a genre really wasn't a thing but now you can point to it and be like yeah you want to watch a real decompressed movie where a bunch of weird stuff happens <laughs> and it's like that like midsummer same uh-huh. deal it's not robert eggers but the a24 but yeah. yeah but yeah like oh yeah no i really like that yeah the but, closest we probably got was anything that was like some of that weird uh, like 70s occult art movie stuff um but this is actual supernatural art movie stuff uh yes. and it's and it's just it's just great in in that movie everybody speaks in this period dialect and the acting's so natural it almost makes well it does make all the creepy supernatural stuff seem more real because of that yeah. it's just sort of like bending the lens and all of a sudden like the real world seems like it would allow for these kinds of things to happen and I guess I should talk about the witch herself. I, we talked, you know, earlier about if we talk about any movies, we might want to might not want to spoil the good ones. So I won't spoil this one, but um, I'll sort of describe the figure that we see throughout the film. Um, and I guess I should back up and describe the main story if you're not familiar. It's about a Puritan family in the 17th century in, a, in an American colony. I, I think this is the Plymouth colony, and they're banished from their congregation over some sort of religious disagreement, and they build this farm near the woods. And one day the kids go out and play, and during a game of peekaboo, their unbaptized baby's stolen. So we get to see the glimpse of somebody who we're pretty sure is the witch who's making some weird potion from the baby she stole, and later we suspect some of the children might be possessed. Yes. And the main star of this really, though, is the is the main girl from the family named Thomason. Mm-hmm. And there's something here that's very similar to what you're saying about you know the sacrilege of questioning the authority and like the right to personal pleasure or something you know you know mm-hmm. what i mean um and like like the power of like female seduction and that sort of thing it's sort of like celebrating that in a way in this film in a way that was kind of surprising that we saw by the end yes yeah yeah and with i don't even want to say anything without giving away any plot points cuz i just it's a fantastic film but also a lot of like the witch folklore is that they made a pact with Satan, right? That that's part of it all, and it's interesting because Satan's kind of the good guy. I don't want to say that, but like, well, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about like celebrating like um, ind- individualism and, and the and the and the right to 
right. live your live your own in life and have your own ideas and you're entitled to your own pleasure that well, besides the thing we described earlier, it doesn't hurt other people. <laughs> <laughs> It'll only hurt a little. No, um, like that's absolutely a thing. And I like I was being glib when I said, "Oh, Satan's the good guy," but um, in terms of the way the religion is presented and the religions at the time, mm-hmm. whatever sins a father commits, his children suffer. It was an oppressive for. system. That it was they were oppressive, in. and, and so- then the witch. She represents choice, yeah. however limited. That's a good but, way to put but it. There is a, but there is a choice there. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. And, and, I, and I guess I would end by just mentioning uh, how the term changed over time. And in modern conversations, there were a few essays I saw about this where people are really embracing the, the term or the label of witch to describe something sort of subversive and empowering on the fringes of whatever powers in place now. And I think this movie really captured that really well. Yeah, for real. Well, that's a great list. I think so. I, <laughs> I love witches. I do too. I do too. I, you know, didn't even... I think our definitions uh, held up pretty, pretty well. We, we had some real witches and we had, I mean, space witches. We had cartoons cartoony kind of witches but they all do sort of have those those same things things in common yeah it was, a, it was a really broad and diverse list good job picking things that were different but also the same good job us and we're recording this at a different time that we talked to scott so i'm just going to say also uh great great pick scott yeah, that whatever was a, you chose that was a great pick from scott <laughs> Oh, and you know what? I uh, Scott mentioned to us after we were recording a few of his other things that he was considering. So I'm going to let him have an honorable mention of Darth Maul's mother for for the witch list too. So that I'm going to uh, retroactively go back and put her in there. You're welcome, <laughs> Darth Maul's mother. Yeah, it's for Mother's <laughs> Day, we <we're laughs> celebrate. We celebrate you. I just want to be acknowledged. <laughs> If you have thoughts on this list or your own suggestions, email rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com or hit us up on social media, and we might share some of your thoughts on the next episode. Will, where can people follow us? You can find us on Twitter, or you can find us on Instagram, or you can visit thewizardsnightshirt.com to find out about this show and our other shows, like Curdle Holler, our original Halloween comedy series, as well as a complete archive of our Masters of the Universe review show, or... Come geek out with Rebecca about audio production on her weekly stream at twitch.tv slash kinggarrity, K-E-E-N-G-A-R-R-I-T-Y. She's working on her album. It was a good stream last week, which I, I watched. I got a new follower beside you. <laughs> now I have four. It's really good. It's really fun. I will try to post on, on Twitter uh, when, when, it, when it goes up. It's uh, not next fun, week. but it's good. It is fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when we call forth new champions. Legends they tell of a hero Facing down fears and cutting down foes There's no resemblance to what you know When your own deeds feel humble and real